Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 215, Generational Triumphs and Traumas. It's February 16th, 2024. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and clearly podcaster. I am also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved, even when life is very difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any capacity. There is no longer any music for my podcast intros or outros. I invite you to join the movement to request that other podcasters, as well as social media content creators, ditch any music when combined with speaking. End of non-musical intro. Generational triumphs and traumas. Well, I have to say, even though I said it in my podcast intro, nothing I say in this podcast is designed or intended to be medical or therapy advice or any of my other content for that matter. Also, if you are feeling suicidal or hopeless or in any way thinking about harming yourself, my request is you call immediately the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or call or text 988. Okay, here we go. Generational triumphs and traumas. Well, if you've been following along in my podcast series for the last couple of years, you would know that I only became aware of generational trauma in 2023. So this has been a journey and an eye-opening experience. What we do know from the research, however, is that up to or over 70% of the world's population has had some type of trauma. Now, not all of the trauma in the worldwide statistic is from families. It's not all generational trauma. However, we do know that a significant amount of trauma is from families or in intimate relationships. They are, they are the highest source. In this podcast, I'm dealing with trauma in the family, which could also include a domestic relationship. It could include a partnership, a significant other or a spouse with or without children. So that's what my intention is. It's not really this generational triumph and trauma is not really designed for trauma outside of intimate family or significant relationships. Now, this first piece, we're going to take a little dive into the research. Into the research. I know you love that, right? <laughs> you may or may not love it. I don't know where you are about that. But this first piece is from the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. It's titled, Intergenerational Transmission of Trauma, the Mediating Effects of Family Health. It is by Emma Reese et al. from May 2022. So according to this journal article, trauma is defined, according to the American Psychological Association, whom they quote, trauma is an emotional response to a terrible event and includes interpersonal trauma, which includes abuse, and non-interpersonal trauma, which includes natural disasters, accidents, and other types of non-abuse situations. Now, we have, and I don't know if you're familiar with the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which we kind of abbreviate the DSM, but this is according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the fifth edition, the DSM-V, 
Individual people can experience trauma in one of four ways. Number one is by directly experiencing a traumatic event or a trauma. Two, witnessing a traumatic event. Three, learning of a violent or accidental traumatic event that happened to a close family member or friend. And four, from extreme or repeated exposure to harsh details of a traumatic event. So those are the four ways, according to the DSM, that people can experience trauma. Now, what's of particular note from this article is that non-white people or people of a non-white ethnic background are more likely to experience trauma than white individuals, according to the research. So that's a point of note. So if you're white, it's likely you're going to have less trauma. If you're not white or you have a particular ethnic background, you have a higher likelihood of experiencing trauma. Now, what we know from this, this particular article is that trauma experienced in childhood can have significant implications for healthy child development and the development of psychopathology in adulthood. If you remember, psychopathology is mental illness or disorders. Basically, the article is saying that traumatic stressors that children experience cause brain injury, which then increases the risk of mental illness or mental disorders in adulthood, which, in my humble opinion, makes this a very critical issue given what we know about the prevalence of trauma in childhood and trauma in the world. Now, uh there are there so so intergenerational trauma this is a new area of study but there are some different things from the research that can impact the transmission of trauma so they're not exactly sure how generational trauma is transmitted i'll get to that but this phrase intergenerational transmission of trauma or ITT is listed in the research as impacted by family functioning one two parenting ability three the parent-child relationship quality four cognitive appraisal of the trauma five PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder and six severity of a parent's childhood trauma. But what they're saying in this particular research piece is there are six things that will impact the transmission of intergenerational trauma. Now, according to the research, childhood trauma experienced by a parent can negatively impact their ability to parent which of course makes sense, and can also increase the likelihood of their transmitting trauma to their children. What mediates the effect, or one mediator, besides the things I just listed, is positive childhood experiences. So if, it's, if you have ch positive childhood experiences, that can mediate 
the impact of intergenerational trauma. Now, there are other terms, so I want you to be hip to the terms in case you hear something else. So intergenerational trauma, generational traumas, we have generational trauma, and we have intergenerational trauma, we have transgenerational trauma, we have secondary trauma, and then there's this additional separate type of generational trauma, which is called historical trauma, or multi-generational trauma, where it's specific to a culture, an ethnicity, or a racial group, or some other special category. So there are many terms for generational trauma. Take it as it is. Now, one of the very interesting scientific pieces of this whole generational trauma is the fact that when a woman is a fetus in her mother's body she has as a fetus all the eggs she's ever going to have she's not going to get more eggs after she's born and what that means according to the research is a baby developing in their mother's body uh so when they're no i let me back it up when your mother is in your grandmother's body she will have all the eggs she's ever going to have, which means your egg is in your mother, in your mother, grandmother's body. So this is one aspect. I have seen some interesting scientific research on exposure in this, in this scenario relative to toxins, and but that was a very long time ago, and that research is packed away. So what they're basically saying is all the eggs a woman will ever carry in her ovaries are there when she's a fetus in her mother's womb. So your mother, when she was a fetus in your grandmother's womb, carried your egg. Like you were in your mother when your mother was in your grandmother. And in that way, what the research is saying that you, your mom, and your grandmother shared the same biological environment, which is also where some of the research points to childhood uh, trauma being starting when a baby is in the womb and there was some research from the university i think it was from the university of pittsburgh i don't remember about that when i went through the childhood clearances it was very fascinating so how is trauma passed from generation to generation well the bottom line is we don't know we are still unclear now it seems to be the raging theory or the popular theory is that it has to do with epigenetics or genetics or dna well that's that's one theory. It seems to be very popular. That seems to be where the research is focused. However, if you look at other things, including the things I already mentioned from this article on the intergenerational transmission of trauma, the mediating effects of family health, then we see parenting, the parent's trauma, the impact of positive childhood experiences, communication, direct or indirect, and so there are many things and we just are not clear, in my humble opinion. It seems to be a fairly new area of research. But one thing that did come out of this research piece was, or some of the research I did was, how are families impacted by generational trauma? Well, here's 10 of them. Number one, they're disconnected. Two, they're in denial. Three, there's a sense of detachment. Four, there's a sense of distance. Five, frequently reduced self-esteem. Six, trauma bonding. 
7 estrangement, 8 neglect, 9 abuse, and 10 violence. So those are different ways that some families are impacted when there's generational trauma. Now, I'm going to give you 10 examples of generational trauma, and then we're going to just go into some real life examples. So one, domestic abuse, two, poverty, three, abuse or neglect, including withholding love and affection, four, addictions, five, mental health issues, six, suicide, seven, depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, eight, low emotional abilities or no emotional abilities, nine, relationship problems, which can include, in, can include infidelity, narcissistic treatment, psychopaths, etc., and 10, abandonment. So those are common traumas that can be passed from generation to generation. So we're going to look at a public family, the Hemingway family, that has quite a bit in the public eye about their generational trauma, which is suicide. So according to what I looked at, seven family members of Ernest Hemingway have, have, have killed themselves. Ernest Hemingway committed suicide at the age of 61. His father, Ernest Hemingway's father, committed suicide in 1928 when his father was 52. Now, Ernest's granddaughter, Margot Hemingway, who was a supermodel, she also committed suicide, as did Ernest Hemingway's sister Ursula and brother Lancaster. So now um, the, the suicide family generational trauma of the Hemingway family is very public. Much of family trauma, generational trauma, is hidden, stealth, swept under the rug, denied, lied about, etc. Now, I have been observing people people since I was very young and talking to people since I was very young and this I have to say that generational trauma this is now my opinion based on observation this is very serious observation so I'm going to stand by this as a hypothesis or an observation so I do see that some families transform or or trade one trauma for another so for example this, so this is not plucked from the research. This is observational over decades. That like one parent, say the father, the, the, the grandparents, the father, father's parents were alcoholics. Or one was an alcoholic, either way. Either both of his parents or one of his parents was an alcoholic. And so then that man, that man becomes a father and he doesn't drink. So he doesn't repeat the trauma of alcoholism. However, because he hasn't done any healing work and he's got these trauma wounds and trauma impacts, he perpetuates family generational trauma in a different form. So this is, I think, very important for you to to take on, even though we, we haven't found this, even though the research isn't here yet, <laughs> because this does operate in stealth people. I'm telling you, this is like underground. Um, so like, for example, I know uh, there's a there's a family who, um, so one of the parents was an alcoholic. Now, the, both of the parents may have been alcoholics. I don't know. But one of the parents for sure was an alcoholic. Now, when their child grew up, 
their child did not repeat the generational trauma of being an alcoholic. What they did instead was they became a hoarder. So what's interesting, if you look at this as a pattern, the child growing up could see that alcohol and drinking was more important to one or both of their parents, I don't know which, than they were. So alcohol and drinking was more important than the child. And then this child grows up and what happens is alcohol's off the table, but now for this grown adult, their stuff or their possessions becomes more important than their children. So it's a different trauma because hoarding is different than alcoholism. They're two different things. But you can see the end result for the child is that they're less important than alcohol or they're less important than their mom or dad's stuff or their mom or dad's hoarding or whatnot. So it's very interesting because if you keep going on this thread, you will see, you know, a father abandons his child who then abandons his child. I saw a, a reel where a man in prisons was in prison for murder and his son was arrested for murder. And the son said, I, I want to be just like, I wanted to be just like you. So sometimes though, it will transmute or change form. So we have some people, they'll have an alcoholic parent and instead of them becoming an alcoholic, they might uh, develop a, an eating disorder or a weight problem or whatnot. So sometimes it's not a direct one, 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 you know, like I'm third generation domestic abuse. I have, I have said that in more than one podcast and it could be, could be more than third generation. We only know so far back, like it, it could be 10 generations, like who knows, because this is the stuff that is swept under the rug. This is not something people are talking about. Now, there is a large body of research, however, on the physical, emotional, behavioral, and cognitive impacts from trauma. That's well documented and, and it is known. We know that there are physical, emotional, behavioral, and cognitive impacts from trauma. What is not common is that the public at large understands trauma and understands the impact of trauma. So that's a little overview on trauma. I'm going to move into generational triumphs because I'm the, I have the optimism bias here. There's always some way to look at this and have it be good news. I promise you that doesn't mean we, we skip over the pain, but, but I, I do love good news. So here's the good news for if you're dealing with the generational trauma, that you can have a generational triumph. You could, you could triumph over a trauma. Now, I do not believe, based on my cursory look at the research, that generational triumphs is even on the map. We're not even there yet. This is not anything I could find any, what I considered reliable research on. I looked, but I didn't find anything. So triumph as a noun is one, a great victory or achievement. And as a verb, it is to achieve a victory or be successful. But we have, even though we don't have a body of research in PubMed on triumphing over trauma, we do have a longstanding history in, in humanity of, of 
individuals and groups of people triumphing over trauma. For example, we have Holocaust survivors that have been written books and, and been out there as a triumph over a terrible trauma. We have survivors of rape, incest, abuse, drug addict parents, alcoholic parents, hoarders, etc., and people who have triumphed over that in their individual life. We have people who have triumphed over domestic abuse and domestic violence. We have people who have overcome a legacy of generations of poverty or generations of lack of education. We have celebrities who are either vocal about overcoming their own alcohol or drug addiction or being able to overcome and triumph over having a parent who is addicted. So we do have a body of evidence of individuals individually and collectively groups triumphing over different types of generational trauma. Now, Mariel Hemingway is being in the public eye talking about her family curse. I think that's the way they kind of phrased it. Curse of suicide and her the her own issues that she's been de dealing with, which is a huge tribute to Mariel Hemingway. Like God bless her, give her a pat on the back. Like God love her, God be with her. This is a terrible situation, but she's an example of triumphing over generational trauma, the generational trauma in particular of of suicide. Much of the triumphs. However, you are not going to see or hear about because so much trauma is secret or it's swept under the rug or it's being denied or it is somehow hidden. That is a fact, people, I'm telling you. Now, just because it's hidden or stealth or, you know, under the rug doesn't mean you cannot triumph over it. You can still triumph over it. It's just probably not going to be a public triumph. Now, another thing I want to introduce before I give some suggestions is, uh, well, actually, I have a couple things to say, but is this term called a cycle breaker. Now, a cycle breaker as a term, that's not a psychology term. It is not a medical term either. It's a term that's been around, though, um, since at least 1978, possibly further. If it was 1978, then it's alleged, alleged to have come from Murray Bowen's family systems theory. But a cycle breaker is someone who identifies and changes negative patterns, behaviors, or traditions within their family or relationships. So a family member who sees a dysfunctional family behavior or a dysfunctional family pattern and works to change it. So that's what we, we're calling a cycle breaker. And, and again, no, no research on that. We don't even have generational triumphs really in PubMed. I, I looked. I did look. Um, and we're not even sure how generational trauma is transmitted. There's so many different things floating around. 
if you're interested in being a cycle breaker, I have a couple thoughts here. Number one, this is just kind of roughing it out. If you know there's generational trauma or you've seen dysfunctional family patterns, etc. So now the first thing is you've got to see or identify the pattern of the behavior. And number two, which may be hard because you may be trauma bonded with the person engaging in the behavior, which would leave you with, with uh, a forgetting or not seeing if you're trauma bonded. Um, the first is seeing or identifying or understanding the behavior or the pattern or what's going on. Two, then you'd have to like decompress, compre comp contemplate, assess, explore. What what is your what is what are your options? Like what is your role in it? What's going on? So you have to see it first, and then you kind of have to sort it out. I would call the second one sorting it out. And the third thing is, then after you've kind of seen it, you've observed it, you figured that out, you're going to sort it out. Then you have to kind of grow and develop, heal your wounds, and develop new skills and abilities, so that you don't fall into the trap of the same behavior which leads you to the next thing, which is creating new behaviors or new patterns, which you probably will get some resistance to. And the last piece of this is that for you to understand if you're a cycle breaker, if you are breaking the cycle, that probably no one is going to pat you on the back. <laughs> no, one's going to, no one is going to say, whoa, you're breaking the cycle. Go, go, go. And you may get a touch ton of resistance like it and 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 it may persist like you know but but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to break the cycle what i'm saying is it takes extraordinary courage to be a cycle breaker this is not something for the faint of heart because there will be resistance and sometimes there will be punitive retaliation or cruelty if you try to break the family cycle or patterns, which includes, by the way, if the abuse or the trauma is in your marriage or in a significant relationship. And by the way, all my content will help you if you decide you want to be a cycle breaker, which I hope you will. <laughs> I would love it if we had a whole new you know, army of cycle breakers. So what are the implications for society and humanity within this topic of generational triumphs and generational traumas? Well, my first thought is when we as a collective society or the pop world's population open up this conversation and start talking about the fact that every family has trauma and generational trauma in some form, people might then begin to pause and say, hmm, what's my family's trauma? What is my family's generational trauma? Like that would be a natural evolution if this conversation was out in the world to a large degree. Now that conversation could then lead someone to go, hmm, what is my trauma response? Or what are my trauma responses, plural? Because I know I have, I have multiple trauma responses. And now, having broken some trauma bonds in 2023, having distinguished I had trauma bonds, now we're distinguishing, I will say to someone, oh yeah, I can't do that. That's my trauma response <laughs> or what whatnot. And and we're laughing about it, but it's a, it's a fact. Like how I got organized, like many people, is put together by my trauma responses. So this would then beg the question is, 
how have I been impacted by my family trauma, generational trauma, like what's the physical, the emotional, the mental, cognitive, and behavioral, which could then pave the way for society to embrace and understand psychoneuroimmunology and the mind-body connection because we are clear, crystal clear, that psychoneuroimmunology is a very valid science down to this cellular level way beyond my comprehension. And we also know we have this body of research on trauma and the impacts of trauma to know that psychological trauma can show up physically, it can show up behaviorally, it can show up cognitively, emotionally, etc. So we could also then collectively, going back to the implications for society and humanity, we could ditch the shame, embarrassment, ego, pride, and other emotions that stand in the way that keep this hidden, that keep it secret, that keep it, you know, like people calling it their dirty laundry. The implications for society overall of accepting generational trauma could and would, in my opinion, bring forth more generational triumphs. This has an opportunity to significantly impact society. If we could only get 20 to 30% of the population to wake up to their generational trauma and move towards triumphing, number one, it would be contagious, and number two, there would be a ripple effect, which is why I'm saying 20 to 30%, because it would catch on. It would become contagious. There would be a ripple effect. There would be no turning back, by the way, in my humble opinion. So there's a huge potential impact for society uh, and the and the healthcare costs we could we could reduce like it's so overwhelming like when people get the impact of this suicide rates would go down and addiction rates would go down and depression rates would go down because people were like oh i don't need to be depressed so i just need to break this trauma bond with someone who's not nice to me all the time so before i move on to give you some suggestions i do want to mention two additional resources so uh, I've mentioned before in previous podcasts the work of Jennifer Freyd, F-R-E-Y-D, from the University of Oregon, who is the originator of betrayal trauma theory and betrayal trauma, with including betrayal blindness. She's got several lay people books out there. Her work is imperative, imp- compelling, very well done. You can find some of her content uh, on her site or on the University of Oregon or under Betrayal Trauma Theory or Betrayal Trauma. I highly recommend her work and kudos to her for stepping forward with her body of work. Now, the second resource I would mention is the U.S. government has quite some nice resources on the impacts of trauma. So if you Google impacts of trauma one of the sites at least that has come up multiple times for me is one of the us.gov pages from a book on the impact of trauma and trauma-informed healthcare. so we have trauma research that we have not implemented in medical practices today in the united states and throughout the world so i have some final suggestions if you are dealing with generational trauma and you would like to move towards triumphing over the trauma number one the blame game is not going to help you i understand 
what it's like to be with an abuser or an abusive have an abusive relationship and they won't take responsibility i am well aware of the dynamics of abuse people <laughs> and trauma it's just not helpful to blame them they'll never take accountability they'll never take responsibility but you can take responsibility for what you can learn from it how you can grow from it and accepting it for what it is is going to be helpful using it to your advantage is going to be even more helpful but the blame game doesn't usually give you a lot of benefits number two you can only control yourself and the things that are in your purview and in your life and that sometimes is helpful when you're dealing with generational trauma and working to triumph over it that's helpful to kind of be reminded of three if the dynamic is a situation where you have been made the scapegoat or you have been made the black sheep or you are in what's called a double bind situation now i have a podcast on uh, scapegoats black sheep and double bind situations which i highly recommend because they're they're not the same thing but they have a little overlap if you are the scapegoat or the black sheep or you've been put in a double bind situation what that almost certainly means predictably it means you have zero power in the relationship dynamic which means you have almost no ability to fix it to change it or to improve it except to work on yourself because the very nature of you being made the scapegoat or put in a double bind situation or being the black sheep is that you have no power you don't I know people it took me a long time to realize that well I didn't even know the word scapegoat till uh what I don't know so many years in the last 10 years so that's three you recognize if you're in one of those three categories you'll have like almost no power to do anything other than work on yourself in your own life number four the perpetrators of family trauma whether that's whether it's your family of origin or a situation where you're in domestic abuse with a partner or spouse or a significant other um <clears throat> they're not going to they're not going to take it well if you call them out on their abuse if you call them out on their betrayals their bad behavior lies deceit etc etc they're not going to take that very well in almost all cases Maybe once in a blue moon, someone would take it. What's likely is they'll get going on smear campaigns, triangulation, poisoning the well. They may outright try to take you down intentionally. It can be bad. I'm telling you people, it can be bad, which is why I said earlier, being a cycle breaker is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the faint of heart. This is also why I said when we get the recognition higher that family trauma is both generational and pervasive everything will shift it can't help but shift so the perpetrators of abuse or generational trauma or other forms of generational trauma will never almost never ever say oh i'm unhealthy let me get to work on myself or oh i could be more self-aware oh i i i see I really am not that nice to my kids. No, don't expect that. Do not expect it. And you should 
brace yourself for the worst because people who engage in abusive behaviors, they may not have a mental health diagnosis. They could be what I call now your garden variety abusers, so they don't clinically qualify to be a narcissist, a psychopath, an antisocial personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, or something else. But they are not healthy, and they are not well, and they can be very bad and very dangerous. So you need to brace yourself if this is the situation. Number five, put yourself on a journey to grow and develop like crazy. You make yourself your number one priority. You start making lists of how you can grow and develop and how you can have fun in the process and, and really like focus on your healing, your growth, and your development <clears throat> and making your own life beautiful because that's within your purview. Now, number six, if you triumph over any generational trauma, <laughs> and I'm laughing, but I'm really, it really makes me sad to say this because I do have an optimism bias, <laughs> but the other people who you've triumphed over will, they are, they are, they are in many cases going to be so angry and so furious and for some of them the sickest ones it will be like a mortal wound if you if you do not succumb to the abuse if you do not succumb to the trauma and you are able to triumph over the trauma guess what they'll go after your kids they'll go after your friends like no one will be off limits because for for the people who have the least amount of mental health and wellness this is something they can they can barely stand they can barely stand. So you won't get public recognition for triumphing over any trauma or triumphing over the people who are trying to hurt you or abuse you. But, and as a result, that, that the, some of these people will go after your children if you have children, your children then may get sucked back in to the generational trauma that you just triumphed over for yourself. So it's very sad and it's very painful, but the more you are awake and aware to the dynamics, the better you can do for yourself. Number seven, simply focus on making your life amazing and beautiful. Yes, that means growth and develop. Yes, that means skill sets. But let me tell you, the people who tried to take you down, the people who've been abusive to you, the people who, you know, didn't do good by you or they will hate you for having a great life. So go have a great life. You don't have to do anything to hurt them. Do not do anything to hurt them. As I said, you know, you, you be good to people, but you having an amazing life to your abuser or to someone who was putting trauma on you, that will, that that's like, that is. That is good, people. I'm telling you, that's very good. Number eight, without question, I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend you download my free emotional processing workbook and dig in. Dig in like crazy. Emotional skills are what, or lack of emotional skills and lack of self-awareness and lack of emotional intelligence are what cause people to be abusers. You want skills to have an amazing life Get emotional skills. Use my workbook. Number nine, pain. In instances of generational trauma, 
I'm, I hate to say this too, but it's true. You will carry the pain with you for a lifetime. There are some pains you, you carry with you for a lifetime. They don't ever leave. And that's okay if you learn how to deal with pain. Because you can learn how to deal with your emotions. Like I just recommended in number eight, the emotional processing. Number nine is that you will carry some pain with you throughout your lifetime. What you want to do is learn how to manage and process it so it doesn't become the cloud over your head. You don't want to become an Eeyore because you're carrying pain. I carry, I have carried pain since I was very young. That's a fact. And I will carry pain to, until I die. But the pain that I carry has been managed, was dealt with, and every once in a while, something will remind me of that pain. And I would be like, give it a nod. Yep, that really sucks. That really is painful. Yes, that's horrible. Yeah, and I and I can allow myself the time to feel it and to process it and, and move on. So what I'm saying is, you can carry emotional pain for a lifetime, but it doesn't have to drive your life and it doesn't have to control your life and it doesn't have to be the overwhelming umbrella that you live under. I'm telling you, get the emotional processing skills, build emotional intelligence. You will not regret it because if you have generational trauma, that's a lifetime of pain in my humble opinion. My next thing, which is actually, I'm listing as 9A, because I forgot and then I added it in later, is trauma bonding. I assert that most people are trauma bonded with one or more people. I don't know factually, because I don't think we have good research on statistics, because a lot of this trauma is hidden. Get underneath if you have any trauma bonding. I have a podcast about trauma bonding. I assert it's common. I have been trauma bonded with many people over a lifetime. Get that dealt with and handled because that's not going to, that will perpetuate trauma. Number 10, psychoneuroimmunology and neuroplasticity. I have a podcast on, on those two topics together. Bring that into your life. You will not regret it. It's amazing. It's powerful. Do that. Number 11, the power of your mind. There is so much value if you will understand the power of your mind. We don't talk about that, but I do have a podcast on the power of your mind. Listen to that podcast because when you're dealing with generational trauma and you want to triumph over a generational trauma, you need every tool in the tool shed. You need every, you need every power tool. Learning the power of your mind is like, that's like you on steroids. Like if you can get that, then you'll get the next piece, which is 12, to understand the influences on your thinking. And number 13, learn to control your mind. They all work together. Your emotions, your thinking, it's a swirling vortex. So yes, you can learn to control your mind. 14, great friends and social connections when you're dealing with either a family generational trauma or it could be domestic abuse trauma that's could be generational as well um even though it's your relationship with them having great friends and social connections is critical we know it's critical and helpful for health in a huge way without trauma 
So of course with trauma, it becomes even more important. So, but make sure they're good people and make sure you spend time with them. Number 15, love and affection and happiness. Love and affection is extremely important and valuable for human health, whether we're talking about platonic or romantic or both. I have no skin in the game if you only want platonic love. Go for it. Or if you only are going to limit yourself to romantic, I'm probably not as happy about that because I just told you to have friends, which would be platonic. But I'm not going to sit in judgment of your life. As long as you're happy, healthy, and doing well, I'm going to cheer you on whatever decisions or choices you've made. As long as you're being good, no, no bad people. And happiness. I have over 200 podcasts to help you, which I've just sorted into categories, which will go up on the website. It will also become a part of version 7.0 of the workbook. Right now, version 6.0 of the workbook is up and version 7.0 will either go up probably next week. But bring love and affection and happiness into your life. That's just... Yes, you have to do that. Now, so to wrap this up, whether you like it or not, generational trauma exists. I am not saying generational trauma exists in 100% of families, but I think it's pretty high, people. I think it's very, very high. Uh, we, we probably need um, the Gallup poll to start cracking things like this that are going on behind closed doors to bring it out in the light. But um, you can triumph over generational trauma. It's been done since the beginning of time. I am not saying it is easy. I'm saying it's not easy. I'm saying it's not for the faint of heart. But you can grow. You can heal. You can do all of these amazing things and triumph over whatever generational trauma has existed in your family or in your marriage or in whatever like you could it's really you could do that you could make your life beautiful and you could learn emotional skills and emotional intelligence and emotional abilities so that you can carry pain with you over a lifetime without having it take you down without having it leave you sad and morose so those are my suggestions. I hope you are doing well. I listen, I know life is hard. I hope you're doing well. I hope you can see there's some there's some opportunity in this topic. There is opportunity always in every problem. You've got this. I do love you. That's it for now. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 215 generational triumphs and traumas please share this podcast on social media so we can start to bring some light to some dark areas of life get on board with getting moving towards triumphs instead of just sitting around and letting more trauma wash over you let me know how i can help you i do love you that's it for now